bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Worship your holy name. Worship your holy name. 
I can preach now. Amen. I just want to take a moment um, to pray for Zach as he falls behind me. Uh, I want to uh, I want to take a moment uh, for us just to uh, pray uh, with one another, and uh, we've got a lot of things going on in our community, in our state. Um, we've got a lot of things going on just in our church alone that we need to be praying for, and so if you've got a prayer list right there, you can use that. If not, uh, if you don't want to use that, then I know that there are many things on your heart, and I just want to take a moment before we open God's Word uh, for us to just pray and ask the Lord to bless and to comfort and to heal, and then also ask Him to uh, uh, come and speak His Word to us this morning. So let's just take a moment and, and pray together. Father God, as, as has been said already, there are many things, even this week, that have happened in our lives, happened in the lives of those around us, happened in our state, in our country, and so God, we take all those things and know that we're not even close to big enough to process, to comprehend, to understand even do anything about any of it. But God, we rest in the fact today that you are big enough. That in all the things that we have on this prayer list, of all the things that we have in our minds and in our hearts, they are many. But you're a God who is big enough, and so we trust that this morning. And God, you're big enough to bring us your word. A word that is indestructible, that is infallible. A word that is invasive to our hearts. You're a big enough God. And we ask you to speak your word to us now. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. For those of you that were here a few weeks ago, the black coffee mug has nothing to do with the sermon today, just, just so you're not sitting there trying to figure it out the whole time, okay? Guys, it, was, it, it pained me last week to, uh, to let out services. I, I deeply desire to be with you and to open God's Word, but I also, as pastor, am responsible as shepherd um, of this flock, and um, I do consider your safety um, when, when I make those decisions, and I know there's folks out there that say you should never cancel church. Well, if church was biblically on Sunday mornings, then I wouldn't cancel it, but I can't find anywhere in the Bible except when they met every day. So if you want to meet every day, we can do that, or we can just uh, um, be responsible together to make sure that uh, we're taking care of each other. Uh, I trust that you spent some time in worship in your own home. And uh, I trust that uh, um, God blessed you in that. It is good to be back with you. Um, it's good to be back in the presence of God's people this morning. Have you ever ran from something? I, uh, when I was about 11 years old, I had a friend who lived just across the street from me. And uh, his name was Hunter. 
and we would spend a lot of time together playing, mostly at his house because he had a bigger backyard, and so we could throw the baseball and hit the baseball. Um, Turns out that his yard wasn't big enough. We did break a couple windows, but that's another story for another day. I was coming home from Hunter's house one night, and it was lit. I mean, it's literally probably 100 yards from his front door to mine, just across the street, right there in Luther. And I was walking home, and it was just about dark. And by the time that I got past the driveway of the house that was next to ours, I began to hear chains rattling on the sidewalk. Now, that would freak you out in and of itself, but then I remembered in that moment that our neighbor next door had a Rottweiler that he kept on a chain. And about the time that I realized I should probably run, I turned around to see a Rottweiler lunging at me to try to bite me. I ran like I had never run before. And instead of going to the obvious place, which would be our front porch into our front door, I went ahead and ran a good four blocks all the way to the church. I don't know what I was thinking. Nobody was at the church. I wasn't going to get inside. I don't know when the dog stopped chasing me because I never turned around and looked back. All I did was run. And I've got to confess something to you as pastor this morning. I have been running from the following three messages for a long time. God has impressed upon my heart the things that need to be preached, the word that needs to be opened in these following weeks. And I have ran from it. You could say that uh, last week was some sort of divine intervention or divine providence, because I had planned a message that was not this one. We were going to begin a different series, and in my running from the Lord, I had decided this was going to be best. It usually isn't when you're running from the Lord. And so God canceled services last week, and so if you were upset about not being here and a bunch of ice on the ground, I guess we can go ahead and blame Pastor DJ, okay? But the reason is, is because the things that we are about to discuss for the next few weeks have to deal with authority. And myself, more than anybody, has an authority complex. If there's a rule, I want to know why it was made. If there's a line, I want to know what happens if I cross it. If there's a button that says, do not push, you better believe your pastor is going to be the first one with his finger on it. But in doing all of those things, what we find is that there is often an authority in our life that we must follow. There's often an authority that puts boundaries and puts implications into our life. And if we don't follow that authority, there's often consequence. And so for the next few weeks, I want you to consider the authorities that we will be discussing. We're going to begin today by talking about the authority of the Word of God. The Word of God in our life and how it is authoritative. 
Next week, we're going to talk about the authority of the church, the local church. And how you and I, even though we sit in a congregation, we are submissive in nature to one another. And then finally, we're going to talk about the authority of the man of God. God never led a people without one man leading them. And we're going to talk about how God has called that man of God to the local church and why he has authority. And I can already tell you're really excited about that one. But listen, we must understand that there are definitely authorities in our life. And today we're going to discuss the authority of the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. When you find it, if you would, go ahead and stand with me in honor of the word of the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 3. I just want to read a couple verses. Verse 16 and verse 17. All Scripture is inspired by God. I love the King James. It says all Scripture is breathed by God. And it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. God, speak your word to us this morning, and God, may we submit to it, and it's in your name I pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. Roland Tidwell was a pastor here in this town for a long time, and one of my favorite things that Pastor Roland would say, or Uncle Roland as I would call him, one of my favorite things that he would say is, If the Word of God says it, I believe it. There are a lot of things in the Word of God. And in a day and age when the Word of God has been put to the test time and time again, the church has been found faulty in surrendering to its authority. The Word of God is the Word of God, inspired by God, breathed by God. Even God Himself is held to the authority of His Word. Do you understand that? Even God Himself is held to the authority of His Word. Let me give you some principles of the Word of God. If you're taking notes, there's going to be a lot of notes this morning. You might want to use your better penmanship in your scratching because we're going to be talking a lot. Some principles of the authority of God, of the Word of God. First is that it's inherent. God's Word is without flaw. 
The word inerrancy means not errant or no error in it. Biblical inerrancy is the doctrine that says the Bible is without error in all that it affirms. You and I must understand that when the world would try to tell us that the Bible is faulty, it is immediately attacking the doctrine by which everything else that we believe stands on. Do you understand that? That without the inerrancy of Scripture, you and I are based on a myth. That is why it is so important for us never to waver in seeing the Bible as perfect and unflawed. In the arena of apologetics these days, apologetics is the, basically the defense of what we believe. In the arena of apologetics today, the main attack is on the inerrancy of Scripture because if you can prove the Bible errant and flawed, then anything that it says is questionable. For the Bible to have authority in our lives, we must understand that it is inerrant, that it is without flaw. Every Christian doctrine, whether it's about God, sin, or salvation, is drawn from the Bible. And if we can't trust the Bible, then we've lost the very foundation of our faith. Psalms 11.3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Simply put, God cannot err. He cannot be wrong. The Bible is the Word of God. It cannot be wrong. God is even submissive to His own Word. In Hebrews 6, 18, it tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should repent. Has He said and will He not do? Or has He spoken and will He not make it Good? John, in chapter 17, verse 17, he says, The word of God is truth. Absolute truth. Perfect. Without error. We must understand that the Bible has authority because it is unflawed. We must understand that the Bible is infallible. To confess that the Bible is infallible is to confess that the Scriptures are incapable of teaching any error. You say, well, there's plenty of people who take the Word of God and they bend it to what they see. Well, that is true. There are a lot of folks that do that. We even do that from time to time. But the Bible is incapable of teaching flawed truth. Taken in itself, the term infallible strongly presents the perfection of Scripture. 
When, when it was being written, the prophets and the authors and the apostles, they could not err in its teaching. Some theologians in recent years have decided that infallibility is not important. The Bible is incapable of teaching us wrongly. The Bible's infinite. Charles Spurgeon once said, No one ever outgrows Scripture, it deepens and widens with our years. The word of the Lord endureth forever. God's word will stand the test of time. In John it says, in the beginning was the word. From the very onset of time was the word. And Revelation reminds us that the word of the Lord will endure forever. The Word of God is indestructible in that way. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, your Word is settled in heaven, established, grounded. Someone said, His words have passed into laws, they have passed into doctrines, they have passed into proverbs, they have passed into consolations, but they will never and have never passed away. God's word is indestructible. And in leading to application, we must understand that God's word is intrinsic in nature. Psalm 119.11, you guys know this scripture. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful. I love King James. Quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. God's Word is intrinsic in nature. It pierces through even to the deepest spots of us. God's Word has authority. So therefore, we must practice the authority of God's Word. I want to give you four ways of application in closing this morning. Four things that the Word of God holds fast in its authority in our life. If you're taking notes, I would definitely start writing these down. The first application of the authority of God's Word is salvation. All Scripture is inspired by God is profitable for teaching. Say, how does teaching have to do with salvation? You understand the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, correct? How will they not know if we do not tell them? Teach the Word of God to the people around you. 
Be an example in your teaching. Why does the Bible have authority when it comes to salvation? A couple things. One is it tells us by faith alone. Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By faith alone we are saved. You are saved by grace through faith. The Bible has authority because it tells us of the faith that we need. By faith alone, in Christ alone. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. The Bible is very clear what it takes. John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is a doctrine that we cannot waver on. We must submit to the authority of God's word when it tells us that Christ alone is our salvation. One of the great doctrines that we believe as Southern Baptist is that not only by faith alone and in Christ alone, but we submit to the authority of the Word of God when it teaches salvation for all eternity. John 10, 28-30. If you ever need a verse to combat someone who tells you that you can lose your salvation, I would highly suggest that you write this one down. Jesus, in one of the great parables, in one of the great teachings, in one of the great examples and illustrations discussing the shepherd follows it with these words. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish for no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. You understand that when we come to Jesus in salvation by faith alone, in Him alone, that we are sealed for all eternity, placed into the Father's hand, never to leave it. It's one of the great administrations of grace. We don't have to work for this. We don't have to fight for it. We don't have to worry about our eternity. It is secure according to John chapter 10. We submit to the authority of the Word of God when it comes to salvation. We submit to the authority of the Word of God when it comes to sanctification. All scriptures inspired by God is profitable for teaching and for rebuking. Sanctification involves three things, pursuit, holiness, and devotion. To be sanctified means that we are to be cleansed and set apart for the work of the Lord. That means that we have to pursue God. That means that we have to chase after Him. That means that we have to follow after Him. That means that where He goes, I'm right behind. 
have a lot of Christians these days who aren't pursuing God. And it shows. That's some of my favorite memes these days. Some of y'all never drank out of a water hose and it shows. Listen, some of y'all have never followed Jesus and it shows. Understand that to be sanctified means that we are pursuing after Jesus, which involves holiness. It means that when we see sin in our life, that we confess and repent and we use the Spirit to allow us not to pursue the sin, but rather pursue Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Jesus tells us, I have made a way out of every temptation. There's a lot of Christians out there who, who want sin more than they want Jesus. I can't understand it, but we do it, don't we? And all that the Word of God tells us is that we should pursue holiness. Even Jesus, what did He say? Be holy as I am holy. And devotion, a pursuit of holiness comes into devotion. It produces devotion. I want you to understand that the authority of God's word clings and drives and moves and inspires because of our devotion to it. Listen, I want you to understand there is nothing else that we can cling to in this life that is as sure as the words of our Lord. Why would we not devote our lives to this? Third, and I made this word up, strategification. Listen, guys, I want you to understand something. When I'm trying to alliterate messages, it's hard sometimes when you just run out of the letters and the words that you need. The thesaurus only has so many options. Not only does the Bible, the authority for salvation and sanctification, but for strategy in our lives. All scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, rebuking, and for correcting. The Bible has common conflict in it. It's full of everyday people facing everyday problems. If you don't believe me, go and read the Old Testament. Follow along in the New Testament. If you think you've got parenting problems, Joseph and Mary lost the Son of God for three days. Guys, there is common conflict all throughout Scripture. Everyday problems that we have. And there's also specific solutions. The Bible is full of everyday solutions to everyday problems. Whether it be personal. Whether it be financial problems. Whether it be business issues. Whether it have to do with your family or even your health. Your emotional health, your physical health, 
The Bible has things to say about travel. The Bible can tell you about your livestock. It can tell you how to farm. It can tell you how to work. It can even tell you how to cook. Don't believe me? Look it up in Leviticus. Don't cook a baby goat in its mother's milk. The Bible has solutions to everything. And it also has imperative instructions. Jesus said in John 15, 7, This is my command. You love one another. They asked Jesus, what are the greatest commands? And he said, these are it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are commands, instruction all throughout the Word of God. And it holds authority. And lastly, The authority of God's word is for salvation and sanctification and for strategification. Somebody tweet that, by the way. And spiritualization. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. As we approach next week's message... When we talk about the authority of the church, I want you to understand something. It is not an issue of organization and structure. As we are a congregation-led organization, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is we're talking about the authority of the Spirit-filled people of God in the local context. And in order to be spirit-filled people of God, we have to submit to the authority of the Word of God. You cannot be spirit-filled without being enamored with God's Word. It must be your lifeblood. It must be the very thing that you depend on for survival. You know how I know that God wants us to understand it that way? is because Paul described to us in Ephesians chapter 6 how the Word of God affects us being Spirit-filled. Ephesians chapter 6, you know, is the story, or the illustration of the armor of God. And what is... What does Paul tell us? Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You cannot be a Spirit-filled person without devoting yourself to the daily and even moment-by-moment ingestion of the Word of God. It should be in our hearts. It should be on our lips. It should be our confession and our commitment. If we're ever going to be spirit-filled people, then we've got to be word-filled people. The Spirit of God moves 
when the word of God is present. You can't be spirit-filled without being enamored by God's word. You can't be spirit-filled without applying God's word. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 25. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. And therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Don't just receive it, James says, but he goes on in the next verse to say, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You cannot be a spirit-filled person without taking God's word and applying it to your life. That's why we find the text in the New Testament that says, there are many who claim the power of God, but deny it. There are many who claim the word of God, but they don't live it. There are many who claim that the Word of God is life and its presence and it's absolutely inerrant and then they live their lives as if it is just some document. Just some PDF we got in an email. You can't be spirit-filled without applying God's Word. And finally, you can't be spirit-filled without submitting to the authority of God's Word. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You can't be a spirit-filled person without submitting to the authority of the Word of God, which is Christ Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In submitting to the Word of God, we must understand that we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. The authority of God. Found in His Word leads us to salvation. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God this morning would tell you this. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Word of God would tell you that our righteousness is but filthy rags before Him. The Word of God would tell you there's none righteous, no, not one. The Word of God would tell us that in order to have eternal life, we must be found blameless, righteous in every way. The Bible tells us there, there was one man who did that. And his name was Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. The Bible tells us that he offered a gift. That the wages of our sin would be death, but the gift of God, Jesus Christ Himself, would be eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. 
the authority of the word of God tells us that if we will confess that Jesus is Lord of our life and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And it tells us that all who call on the name of the Lord should be saved. Will you submit to the authority of God's word this morning? By surrendering your life to him? Christian, like I said earlier, some of you have never submitted to the word of God and it shows. How are you going to respond this morning? Is it going to be a renewed commitment to the word? Is it going to be a repentance of sin that the word has made available and open and made aware to us? going to respond in the calling that the word of God has in your life first that we would glorify him second that we would make him known God's word must have authority in your life believer what area have you not been submitting to the authority of God by his word in your family in your business in your relationships maybe it's in your hobbies maybe it's in those private moments when no one else is around have you been submitting to the authority of God this morning maybe you need to spend some time in prayer in response humbling coming under the authority of the inspired word of God which is good it's good for teaching rebuking, correcting and for training in righteousness I want you to know that in a moment when I'm done praying we're going to stand, we're going to sing There's going to be individuals here at the front who would be more than happy to pray with you or talk with you if you need. But I believe that a lot of us know exactly how we need to respond. If you need to be saved, you come. Tell one of these that are up front, hey, I want to be saved. Christian, maybe you need someone to pray over you. And accountability, we're going to talk about that next week. Maybe you need someone just to discuss. Maybe you need to spend some time at this altar. We've got plenty of time. The food is waiting on us, I promise. You respond how God's called you to this morning. God, we thank you for your word in our life, for the way that it presents itself. We thank you for the authority that it has, for salvation and for sanctification and for strategy and for spiritualizing us. God, would we take those things and apply them. Take your word and not be just hearers, but doers also this morning. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand?